Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quick note lang po tungkol sa episode na to. This is not a new episode, but this explainer on the anti-terror law was produced when it was still an anti-terror bill. We are putting this up again in light of the most recent development that President Duterte has already signed the bill into law. But all points discussed here remain relevant and still true based on the contents of the final law. The anti-terrorism bill was proposed at the Senate as early as November 2019, certified as urgent by President Duterte, and passed by the House of Representatives, it appears well on its way to becoming a law. Government and state forces, the military, the police, the intelligence community, they all say terrorism is not only frightening, it is dynamic. Terrorist methods and tools are evolving so fast that current laws and tactics to fight them have to be updated as well. Legal experts and rights advocates say that's true, but they are also warning that the bill, as currently crafted, could adversely affect human rights some provisions could be unconstitutional. In this special explainer, I speak with Attorney Ted Te, professor of law at the University of the Philippines, former Supreme Court spokesperson, and host of the podcast Te Talks about the controversial anti-terrorism bill. Anti-terrorism laws are nothing new, not in the Philippines, not in the world. Ulag bago dyan. Legislation focusing on terroristic acts as distinct from common crimes are as old as, well, terroristic acts. But what does that mean? That's precisely where we started our conversation with Ted. With Philippine legislative attempts to address the problem, we begin with the task of defining terrorism. That effort started long before 2020. The first formal law is really the Human Security Act of 2007. There are what we would call siguro events no, that may have prompted that in the international sphere. Siyempre, alam naman natin, 2001, 9-11, for example. And then, of course, movements that led towards governments globally saying the, there is a need to combat you know, terrorism to secure their own respective countries. Sa ating lahat mismo, hindi bago ang salitang terorismo. We remember the word terrorism being invoked for as long as we've consumed news. We've seen, watched, and read up on terroristic acts from Europe to Africa, the Americas, and Asia, safe to say in every continent. The word terrorism, in fact, first appears in English in 1795, referring to actions by radicals that helped foment the French Revolution. Throughout history, terrorists... The word terrorists has been associated with extreme violence 
But context for that violence has encompassed everything from freedom fighters to revolutions, enemies on either side of a war, to senseless crime of the most vile and misguided order. In any case, 9-11 of 2001 was clearly a seminal moment for the world and for the word terrorism. We knew, somehow, that 9-11, when it came to terrorism, represented a new normal. So, nagkaroon ng mapag-uusap no, on the international level about the need to come up with what I would probably call a systematic or a uniform approach towards terrorism. But even on the global scale, no, I think one of the major stumbling blocks really is the definition. Ano yung pwede mong itawag na terrorism? Of course, the Philippines is part of a global community of nations, no? And therefore, we have international obligations. We also have to, to maintain a presence outside of our country. Because we entered the 21st century with a very visceral sense that terrorism has become an international and organized affair, our governments also knew that this problem is now something that needs a coordinated global response in exchanging intelligence, in thwarting funding, and in educating people and preventing radicalized ideas from taking root and being taken to extremes. Among those international obligations, helping each other to catch suspected terrorists when they cross borders, exchanging information and intelligence, freezing assets, and fighting the money laundering schemes that help to fund terrorist organizations. And so in the Philippines, the Human Security Act of 2007 was enacted as part of our contribution to and compliance with the needs and demands of this alarmed international order. Now, as Ted points out, the Human Security Act was the first time Philippine law actually tried to define terrorism. Start with a question. When does a crime become a terrorist act? In the Human Security Act, Section 3, that the act of terrorism is defined in several stages. Now, first, yung acts that are included in the definition. These are offenses na punishable under the Revised Penal Code already and special laws. Tapos, pangalawa, itong acts na ito, kailangan may resulta. The following crimes, if committed, become elements of terrorism. Piracy, rebellion, Kudeta, murder, kidnapping, destruction of property including arson, nuclear wastes, for example, hijacking, use of illegal firearms. No? Itong mga to, pag ginawa ng isang tao, crime na yan, ordinary crime na yan. Ngayon, pag ang resulta nito ng paggagawa na ng krimen na ito ay nagkakaroon ng widespread, ang tinatawag ng batas, widespread and extraordinary fear and panic, nagiging second element ng terrorism yan. Tapos ang pangatlong element ng terrorism under Section 3 is the intent. Why were these acts done? The acts should have been done in order to coerce government to give in to what the law calls an unlawful demand. Kunin natin yung pinakamasaklap na naiimagine natin, yung pagpatay ng tao. Without splitting hairs on homicide and manslaughter and all of that. We call it murder. So may pinatay ako. Ngayon, kung yung elemento na yun, yung sa pagpatay ko, 
the second element you said is it should have the effect of causing widespread panic. Widespread and extraordinary fear and panic among the populace. From murder, you now go to the concept of Nako, may pinatay na kapitbahay ko. When does that instill fear in a larger community? Siguro kung gumagala-gala pa sa subdivision ko yung pumatay, widespread, you can make an argument, mas widespread ang, ang panic, di ba? Yes. But there is a third element. The third element you're saying is, sasabihin ko ngayon sa media, kaya ako ginagawa to dahil ang gobyerno gusto ko paalpasin, pakawalan yung kaibigan kong nakakulong na dapat bawal yun. So, those are the three elements. There's a crime that's defined. It causes a wider spread panic within a wider community. And then third, I have a demand specifically aimed at government. Yes, specifically aimed at government. So, again, it, it's difficult to prove kasi contextual siya, no? So, paano mo sasabihin na widespread? Paano mo sasabihin extraordinary? At paano mo sasabihin kung gano'ng kalaki yung populist? This would be an example of I would probably call a vague definition. Because pag ganito, panghuhula talaga yung mag-implement. Kung ikaw yung pulis, at let's say may nangyaring pagpatay, at iisipin mo, ito ba i-terrorismo? No? Kasi hindi lang pagpatay eh, merong widespread extraordinary fear or panic. Ah, sige. Okay, let's go to the third element trying to coerce government into something illegal. Kung sabihin niya, for example, ito ang demand ko. Ang demand ko, gawin to ng gobyerno. Whether bigyan ako ng pera or paalpasin kung sino man or mag-step down ang Pangulo. Would any of those fall as trying to coerce government into doing something illegal? Pusible yon, Kasi pwede mong sabihin na unlawful demand. no? While you can say na Okay, it is the right of a person to express something, for example, that you think of. You want to call for someone to resign or to step down. That's your right. No, that's, that's a freedom that's given to you. But if it is coerced, if there is an act of coercion in order to achieve that, then the law defines that to be a criminal act. And if it is the intent of the person to do that, and it is connected with a crime that is defined under the law as terrorism and the effect is to create this extraordinary fear and panic then it becomes terrorism so teka reminder what we're discussing so far is still not the anti-terror bill of 2020 we're still talking about the human security act of 2007 that is what the anti-terror bill would like to update if not replace so what's changed or will change from 2007 to 2020 in terms of how Philippine laws will now define terrorism. Yung definition ng terrorism nagbago, kaya tulad ng sinabi natin kanina, yung definition in three stages. No? Ngayon, under the proposed amendments, the definition is no longer that specific in the sense that hindi na identified yung mga specific felonies or crimes. Rather, what the new law does is to provide for instances. No? So, for example, the Senate version, which the House adopted, no? 
says it is terrorism if the person engages in acts that are intended to cause death or serious bodily injury to any person or endangers a person's life. So you're saying sa Human Security Act, nakaspell out yon. If you commit murder, if you destroy property, if you set fire to something, if you abduct anyone. So it's very specific crimes. Now, under the bill, you take away all of those specific mentions of crimes and you just replace them with one word, acts. Is that correct? Yes. So basically, lumawak. No? Lumawak yung pwedeng isakop nitong definition. Whereas before, very narrow. Because if it does not fall within the definition of murder before or arson before or kidnapping before, hindi siya pwedeng maging terrorism kasi wala yung first element. Ito, first element pa lang, hindi kailangan krimen. No? I'll mention section 4A. Engages in acts intended to cause death or serious bodily injury to any person or endangers a person's life. No one even needs to be killed. Acts intended to cause death. No? Hindi kailangan may mamatay. Unlike the previous definition, it expressly says murder. No? Yun yung malaking pagkakaiba. So, again, the main difference in the old law, the Human Security Act, these are crimes and felonies defined very specifically, interpreted by the Supreme Court, malinaw yan kung ano yung elemento nila. Dito sa bagong panukala, no? these are not even intended to be crimes. These are not even intended to be felonies. No? These are any acts that are intended to do this particular effect, no? cause this particular effect. And then, yung pangalawang elemento, meron ding effect. Ang language ng law, when the purpose of such act by its nature and context is to intimidate. No, again, lumawak yung resulta. Dati, widespread fear and panic lang. Ito, intimidate the general public or a segment thereof, create an atmosphere or spread a message of fear to provoke or influence by intimidation the government or any of its international organization or seriously destabilize or destroy the fundamental political, economic, social structure of the country or create a public emergency, or seriously undermine public safety. Backing up, it just deals with intent, not necessarily even the effect. Kumbaga, kahit na dinedma ko yan, at kahit wala namang pumansin, di ba? Pero kung binalak mo na manakot, at kung binalak mo na mangamba ang taong bayan, eh pakay mo yun eh. Yun yung gusto mo mangyari. So not only did you do it, alam ko rin na ang pakay mo, is manakot at magbigay pangamba sa maraming tao, that is enough. Whereas before, in the Human Security Act, it should have the effect of having caused fear and panic? Yes. Kasi yun nga ang hindi, hindi nga malinaw dito. Kasi when the purpose of such act, ganun lang kasimple, when the purpose of the act is to produce this, intimidation, fear, etc., etc. So, hindi na nga kailangan mangyari. Yun lang yung dahilan. Pag ginawa mo to, at ito yung dahilan mo, posible na. But what are the other tools that this now opens up to government? Whether it's enhanced from the Human Security Act or a totally brand new toy? Definitely the Anti-Terrorism Council, which was created under the Human Security Act, no, 
has really been empowered under the proposed amended law. So the main power of the ATC here is to designate terrorist individual groups of persons, organizations, or associations. So significant dito, pati individual pwedeng designate na terrorist no? under this particular amendment. In the old Human Security Act, walang word na individual, uh, grupo lang. Section 45 of the bill says the Anti-Terrorism Council, the ATC, will be composed of cabinet officials led by the Executive Secretary as its chairperson, the National Security Advisor as its vice chairperson, other members of the ATC, the Secretary of Foreign Affairs, the Secretary of National Defense, the Secretaries of Interior and Local Government, Finance, Justice, Information and Communications Technology, as well as the Executive Director of the Anti-Money Laundering Council. Now, to be clear, this is not new. The Anti-Terrorism Council, the ATC, was formed under the Human Security Act of 2007. The problem now is that a provision in Section 25 of the Anti-Terror Bill of 2020 would give members of the Council themselves the power to designate an individual, group, organization, or association as a terrorist. As you said, one of its powers has changed in that now it can designate. Ano ibig sabihin ng designate? Parang kikilalanin ano, na itong tao, itong grupong ito ay terrorist, terrorista. The consequences of designation is that the assets of the designated individual or group, association, organization shall already be subject to the AMLC. Pwedeng i-freeze ng AMLC upon designation. So doon pa lang, pwede nang i-freeze ng AMLC yung assets niyan. Okay, now Ted, yung term na upon determination of probable cause brings up the question, who determines probable cause? Actually, it's significant no? kasi yung phrase nga na finding of probable cause. Under the Constitution, that is a finding made by the courts in the issuance of a warrant, whether search warrant or arrest warrant. No? Malinaw yan that that is a judicial power under the Constitution. But the ATC is an executive body, purely executive. No? So, hindi ito court, hindi ito malakorte. No, it is purely executive. And therefore, significant yan na binibigan siya ng power na gumawa ng finding na ganon. Aside from the power to now designate terrorists or terrorist organizations without need to go to a court, Ted says another concerning provision in the proposed new law is the actions of the council that could affect detentions that are contrary to what is allowed under the Constitution. It's not so much about warrantless arrests as the length of time that people can be held without charge. Warrantless arrests are actually authorized under the rules of court. Meron naman talagang specific rule, that's Rule 113, Section 5, three instances na pwede ka mag-aresto without a warrant. But Section 29, for example, authorizes detention without a judicial warrant of arrest. So it says here, again, any law enforcement agency or military personnel. And again, I must stress that because it is not the job of the military to conduct police or law enforcement operations. No? Any 
law enforcement agency or military personnel who having been authorized in writing by the ATC who has taken custody of a person no, suspected of committing any of the acts defined as terrorism or strands of terrorism shall without incurring any criminal liability under the revised penal code can detain the person for a period of 14 calendar days counted from the moment of apprehension, arrest, no? and this period can still be extended to another 10 days if it is established that further detention is necessary to preserve evidence, further detention is necessary to prevent the commission of another act of terrorism, and that the investigation is being conducted properly and without delay. Okay, three important points here. The first point I already mentioned, involvement of military in law enforcement. No? Uh, malinaw yan na may separation in terms of what the military can do or should do and what the police can do and should do. Second, it is an order issued in writing by the ATC. The ATC is an executive body. Again, you cannot arrest a person on the basis of an executive order. Tapos na yan. 1987 Constitution took care of that. Under the 87 Constitution, only a judge can order the arrest of a person. So it seems like we're going back to that situation where we have executive warrants. No? Yung the bad old days of the PCO and the PDA and the ASO. Hold on. PCO, PDA, ASO, or ASO? Ted was referring to the Presidential Commitment Orders, the Preventive Detention Act, and the Arrest and Seizure Orders. Basically, these are powers that former dictator Ferdinand Marcos vested himself with during martial law to effect warrantless arrests and searches. Beyond the constitutionality of, as Ted puts it, executive warrants for such arrests and searches, Ted frets about the detention that could lead to both the time allowed for detention without charges being filed, as well as the powers of government over one's assets and rights for the duration of that detention. Without a charge being filed. Under the current state of the law, Article 125, it is 12 hours, 18 hours, or 36 hours, depending on the gravity of the charge. It means that a police officer who arrests a person has 12 hours to charge the person in court. If the offense is a light offense, 18 hours. If less grave, again, mas mataas ang penalty, 36 hours if grave felony. So, yun yung tatlong ranges. Dito, tinanggal yun, no? So, once arrested without a warrant, in fact, arrested upon the order of the ATC, the person can be detained for 14 days. Minimum yun. And then it can be extended for another 10 days, given the three conditions specified in that particular provision. Pero hindi ako necessarily itinatago. Ang sinasabi lang is 14 days to 24 days na hindi ko alam kung ano yung paratang sa akin. Uh, pero within those 14 days, incommunicado ba ako? Or can I be assured na I can be in touch with my lawyer, my family knows where I am? Bawal yung incommunicado detention and that is in the Constitution. So, I don't think that is possible to be included in such a law. At this point, gusto rin natin pag-usapan yung safeguards that are built into the anti-terror bill. 
those safeguards when they are invoked by supporters of the bill, those safeguards are true. It is in the bill. And we would like to talk about that in detail later. But before that, let's continue with the other things that the ATC can put into motion. Surveillance and wiretapping, for example, are also controversial aspects that critics are howling about. But speaking of safeguards, wiretaps, let's stress, would need clearance from the Court of Appeals. The ATC cannot just order that on its own. But Ted still has his concerns. Section 16 ng proposed amendments, the surveillance of suspects, and then interception and recording of communications. So here, law enforcement or military, and this is significant because it expressly allows military to take part in basically law and order, no? may upon a written order of the Court of Appeals. And the, the proposal actually says secretly wiretap over here and listen to intercept, screen, read, surveil, record, or collect. Basically, conversations. So, syempre, may implication nito on Article 3, Section 3, which is privacy of communication and correspondence guaranteed under the Bill of Rights. So, yun yung isang malakas na power na binigay dito to police and military. Pero, teka, Ted, may stupid question ako. Eh, di ba ang surveillance secret naman talaga? Ang wiretapping secret naman talaga, di ba? Is it just funny? Is it just redundant? Or does the word secretly add anything substantial to the powers of our state agents? I am not sure exactly what they intended by saying secretly. Eh. Kasi, again, the nature of these types of surveillance is that, you know, hindi ka dapat na-detect. Kasi nga, uh, it will defeat the purpose, right? So, the Court of Appeals here is given the authority to issue a written order for secret wiretaps. So, I am not sure what the consequences of that order would be. For example, can someone who is interested in knowing if I am being surveilled or I am being wiretapped, for example, ask the Court of Appeals for a copy of the order, ask the Court of Appeals, for example, to make the records of that wiretap public. No? Yun yung naisip kong implikasyon eh, nung paggamit ng secret eh, secretly wiretap eh, na hindi siya pwedeng talaga ilabas. Even after the fact, even after the case. Possible. I mean, I'm speculating that that might be the reason na hindi siya talaga ilalabas. Because obviously, it does not apply to the act itself because the act itself will really have to be secret anyway. Yes, correct. Okay, so let's talk about the safeguards in the anti-terrorism bill. Supporters of the bill would argue and legitimately point out that there are provisions to prevent possible abuses. Case in point, Section 47, which reads, The Commission on Human Rights will give the highest priority to the investigation and prosecution of violations of civil and political rights of persons in relation to the implementation of this act. The arresting agents are also required to inform the nearest courts where the arrest took place to tell them na, oh, inaresto ko si Tedte or inaresto ko kung sino man. Hindi nyo alam kung bakit, but I'm letting you know under the law that this person has been arrested and will be taken to this particular detention facility. I asked Ted, are these provisions enough to reassure us 
And for that matter, is this any different from what's already in the Human Security Act of 2007? Well, it's not any different from what the law already provides and what the Constitution already provides. So, kasama talaga sa duty nila yon na pag inaresto mo isang tao, dapat sabihan mo, lalo na pag inaresto mo based on a court order, dapat sabihan mo yung korte. Now, yung pangalawa doon is to inform the proper authorities. In this case, they mentioned the CHR. No? So, specific yun. So, again, it's not any different from the duty of the law enforcement to inform. No? Kasi hindi nga dapat secret eh. Hindi siya pwedeng ikulong ng secret. There is also widespread concern about the implications of the anti-terror bill when it is enacted on free expression, on the ability of people to just take part in conversations, conversations that could very often be critical of government but could also then be misinterpreted as something that runs afoul of the law. But again, to put on record, there is also an attempt to exempt protected speech. Section 4 reads, Terrorism, as defined in this bill, shall not include advocacy, protest, dissent, stoppage of work, industrial or mass action, and other similar exercises of civil and political rights. So, protest, this clause says, is actually protected speech. But Ted says this. Again, it's, it's good that it's there, expressly stated, no? Although it does have a qualification, no? Yung dulo, na ang intention ng protesta or yung advocacy is not to do this, no? So, kasi pag ganun ang sinabing intention, hindi siya papasok dun sa advocacy, protest, dissent that is protected. So, merong garong saving clause. Ito yung exception. Hindi, hindi ito kasama sa definition ng terrorism. But in that same exception, there is also another exception. So, you know, an exception to an exception, parang binawi mo eh. So, yun yung mahirap maintindihan dito. But that's section 4. And that's the, I think that's the key to the entire proposed law. As Ted subsequently writes on his Facebook page, an exception to the exception brings us back to the general rule. So again, pwede nilang sabihin, eh, yung protesta naman ninyo, pasok dyan eh. You're creating a risk to public safety eh. So, hindi ka protected. Other than concerns about the strength and power of the safeguards in place, legal experts also fret about safeguards that have in fact been watered down or completely taken out. They used to be there in the Human Security Act in 2007. They now appear weaker or are completely gone from the Anti-Terror Bill of 2020. For example, potential prison terms for state agents who abuse their powers to investigate, surveil, arrest, or detain have actually been shortened by a few years. And where before the agents and the state could be sued for 500000 per day for wrongful arrest, that provision is now completely gone. We know the official reason why it was taken out. Supporters of the law argue that the 500,000 peso penalty was hindrance to arresting officials. They could be afraid, in other words, to do their jobs because they would be afraid to make mistakes. Well, yun nga, the main difference na makikita natin is tinanggal yung provision that imposes a penalty 
on a wrongful prosecution, no? a wrongful arrest based on terrorism. Malaking bagay yon because that is a check in terms of the power no? that may actually be abused. It's hard to reason with, for example, a premise na we already presume na magkakamali sila. No? Ako, I'd rather say, can we not encourage them to adhere to a stricter standard so that mas klaro yung kaso? No? If we set the bar low in terms of what we expect, then we might you know, get poorly prepared cases, for example. Kasi hindi nga sila takot na pumalpak eh. No? Pero pag halimbawa nilagay mo yan at alam nilang pag hindi sila mag-ingat at hindi sila sigurado sa gagawin nila, no? at hindi sila mag-case build up, hindi sila mag-surveillance ng maayos na legitimate, no? pwede silang kasuhan, pwede silang balikan pag nagkamali sila, then you get better results, you get better prepared cases. Masasala mo yung mga hindi dapat kasuhan dun sa dapat kasuhan. So what I am afraid of is the mentality that case close, we've solved the case, bahala na yan dun sa korte. No? That is a very dangerous attitude eh. Kasi it goes for the pwede na yan, no? Pwede na yan. Bahala na siyang managot sa korte, bahala na siyang magdepensa sa korte. Final question, Ted. Yung argument niya eh, kung hindi ka naman terorista, ba't ka matatakot? Uh, and also, why not just trust government? Or to be precise, and let's expand this beyond the Duterte administration, because this is going to become law. In other words, it's a law that will be wielded not just by this government, but by the next government and the government after that. So, if you take out the personalities um, and the culture and so on, there's that argument. Look, pinasato ng Congreso by our representatives. Therefore, why not just trust what the representatives have done and why not trust the ultimate people that we, the people, voted for to do what is responsible with this? Siguro, pag kinontextualize natin, siguro yung sasabihin natin na why not trust your government, why not trust your government representatives, pwede mong tingnan kasi dun sa track record eh, in terms of implementing something based on a lot of power, no? Based on implementing something that may not be very clearly defined, no? I refer to, for example, ito lang recent 78 days of lockdown, no? Na merong mga hindi malinaw na patas, pero yung implementation unequal no medyo very draconian on one side marriage very lenient naman the other side so kung ganun yung nakikita kaagad ng mga tao and that's the immediate context under which this particular law was passed no it's hard to tell people magtiwala na lang kay sa amin no gustuhin man ng tao na magtiwala kailangan makita din nila na no uh, when this law is passed na itong napakabangis na batas na ang magiimplementa ay yun malinaw yung batayan yung mag-implementa patas yung implementasyon no so i think that's where the hesitation to trust would come in no doon sa may issue na you know alam mong yung sinabi na eh kung hindi ka terrorista dapat hindi ka matakot it's hard to reason with that simply because hindi lang naman dapat yung mga kriminal ang matatakot sa penal laws no the idea of penal laws for example are intended to ensure no, that we have a baseline within which to define acts that are 
legitimate and not legitimate, acts that are legal and not legal. And that should apply to everyone. No? So whether you intend to commit a crime or you are innocent, no, the law actually should have the same effect on you. It should be the baseline for defining what you can and cannot do. And so it shouldn't matter na kung sino ka at anong personality mo. And so it's not just a question of this law applying only to those who are called terrorists, no? Because again, the way it's defined, it sweeps, no? It sweeps broadly and it may affect ordinary people, even those who, you know, would not even think in their wildest dreams of committing any act that might even resemble a crime. Much of the controversy and many of the concerns about this law are undeniably in the context of the current administration, the Duterte government. But Ted makes us think and realize that the law, or any law for that matter, will not simply cease to exist once a president's term expires. Itong anti-terrorism law magagamit din, of course, ng future leaders, ng panibagong set ng cabinet members, panibagong set ng anti-terrorism council basically the power to check no kasi nga all powerful eh all powerful yung ATC right now belonging to the executive branch now regardless of who's there regardless of who the president is right you will still have an ATC that is very powerful unless this law is repealed no and so many years from now when there's another president eh pwedeng gamitin to pwedeng balikan someone could be accused of doing exactly the same things that uh, are part of the law. That's a good point, Ted. Ibig sabihin that when we talk about the law and our fear of the law, it really is about fear of the law. It's not even fear of this government abusing this law. No, you can take away all context of President Duterte and this administration, and the law will continue to be very, very frightening. Yeah, true regardless of who the president is. Okay. Sige, Ted. Maraming salamat. And that's it for this special explainer edition of Puma Podcast. Again, just to repeat, as you've noticed, most of the discussions here referred to it as the Anti-Terror Bill. It is now the Anti-Terror Act that has already been signed into law by President Rodrigo Duterte. If you like what you hear, Please do follow Puma Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. And do also follow Ted Te. His podcast, Te Talks by Ted Te, is everywhere where you listen to podcasts. Follow Puma Podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode was produced by Kat Ventura. It was edited by Mark Casillan. Ako po si Robbie Alampay. Maraming salamat. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.